You're listening to the One Word Podcast, an outreach ministry of Christ Nations Church. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another podcast, the One Word Podcast, and an outreach ministry of Christ Nations Church. I am the lead pastor, Pastor Iron Petrie, along with my wife, Star. Hello. And we are so delighted that you are choosing to tune into another podcast here with us. Listen, hit that subscribe button uh, wherever you're listening to this. If this is on YouTube, if this is on Spotify, if you're listening to this on any of our podcast platforms, uh, follow us so that you can get notifications about when these podcasts are new and uploaded that we are attempting to bring to you on a weekly basis as an outreach reach of our church. And uh, this is going to be a very special podcast uh, today because we just finished up doing a couple Sunday at our church where we talked about specifically marriage and the different things that uh, we are confronted with in marriage and, and some things that are specifically confrontational concerning the times in which we live. I mean, nowadays marriage is under tremendous attack, under tremendous pressure and weight uh, from the culture mentally, emotionally, and socially. And so we were uh, aiming to strengthen the couples in our church and encourage them because it's one of our core values as a ministry to to really uh, encourage um, marriage and encourage its longevity, its fulfillment, because we believe that it is the glue that holds society together. And so we're going to continue that conversation on this podcast, and we're going to kind of flesh out some of the things that uh, time would not permit us to do so in a regular church service. Uh, if you have not seen that live stream, it's on our YouTube channel at Christ Nations Church. You can go on and you can watch our couple Sunday uh, live stream whenever you have the chance and catch up with some of the things that we talked about with our congregation there live. It was a real blessing to a lot of people. We got testimonies and feedback from people after it was over. And so that's what we aim to do to be a blessing to you. And so we were talking about several things um, and uh, you, you brought up some very important points, dear, and I want you to kind of start us off with the conversation because uh, there were some scriptures that we actually didn't get to during our time of ministry that we want to make sure that we touch on in this podcast and kind of flesh out the rest of what the Spirit of God had put on our hearts. Yeah, we began uh, Sunday service just, just talking about, you know, the importance of understanding the foundational premise behind family, right? And marriage and how God, he's, he's wholly relational. He's concerned about people. He wants a family. That's why he sent Jesus to redeem us from sin and depravity. And so he did that and brought us full circle now that we can live in newness of life. Mm -hmm. And within the marriage construct though, if we go to Psalm 133, we'll see that that David in in writing about unity talks about how there's the blessing there and life forevermore. And so in marriage, we want to make sure that we're encouraging couples that there is a there is a blessing on your union, that God has called you all for a purpose, yes. that that blessing doesn't just remove itself simply because y'all are having um, issues communicating or problems, you know, <laughs> yeah. working together or dealing exactly. through things, but then also that there's life forevermore. And we know that scientifically, right? We know that science has proven that people who are married they live longer. Yes. They make more money. They, I mean, there's there's health benefits. There's all Absolutely. kinds of things that come out of a fruitful union. And so it's important that we, um, I think, not give up God's original idea, his original plan. Um, because the culture, again, pushes a narrative that says, you know, you just, you don't need all of that. Who wants to be tied down? You know, and we talked about yeah. this. You watch movies and television 
And a lot of times it's the married couple that has all the problems. Oh, yeah. It's the married couple <laughs> that just, oh, oh, it's just it's so frustrating. I can't do anything. I can't do this. And meanwhile, the person who's out there, you know, involved in serial monogamy or no monogamy whatsoever. Yeah, right. They're exactly. just kissing everybody <laughs> has has the most freedom. Oh, and yeah. And at the end of the movie, they're the ones that kind of had the epiphany and, oh, the, and yeah. the, the most inspired uh, uh you know, storyline at the end and everything else. Yeah. But the married couple just disintegrated. Exactly. <laughs> and meanwhile, they're drawing up the tombstone for those who are, who are married. It's like, you know, here lies the body of a once promising individual. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So we're fighting a cultural stigma, I think, that's been created by the enemy to mm. ward off and to stop people from doing what God has called them, you know, together to do, which is to live a prosperous life, a victorious life. Yes. Um, but under the auspices, right, of his guidance, his leadership, his word. No doubt about it. And uh, we were talking about it, a part of the introduction, my contribution to it that I, I always want to go back to and reiterate to people is that when the Bible tells us, you know, for, for this cause, or therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. Um, I, I don't think we see clear enough what God is doing there, because when he talks about cleaving the word cleave of course means to stick to it means to adhere to like glue and so it's the very adhesive the the union between man and woman is the very glue that holds all of civilization together it is the it's what puts the civility in civilization absolutely and so ultimately you can really gauge the integrity of a society by the integrity of its marriage marriages and the integrity and the the overall approach we have to marriage, mm -hmm. the approach we have to monogamy, the approach we have to fidelity, we, the approach that we have to um, just the family as a whole. And when you start to see a lot of the programming in the culture, everything, just as you said, not just the movies, but it's a daily thing. I mean, you can turn on your television and some of your sitcoms that are coming on weekly and some of the things that are that are done, they're all like this tremendous departure away from traditional roles of family members, traditional families. And we say, oh, well, it's just art imitating life. When in, in reality, uh, you know, <clears throat> there are dysfunctional families, there are dysfunctional homes, there are homes that are non-traditional. We get that. We understand that. But for the most part, we have to ask ourselves, you know, what is in the best interest of us as a people moving forward? And I think the traditional construct of man and woman together in holy matrimony, in marriage, in monogamy, committed, working through life's issues and, and, and enjoying, as you say, the blessing mm -hmm. that is upon that union and upon that institution, I think is the best thing for us. But you see so much that is antithetical to that, that tries to paint a different portrait, like marriage, the Bible way, the God way is antiquated. It's old. It's outdated. It's outmoded. Uh, it does not uh, suffice for our times. Right. And, and I don't think that's the case. I think there's just a push to to say that it isn't, to create the paradigm that it isn't. Sure. But it's definitely once and for all, for all time. God started all of creation with a man and woman. He didn't start it with the church. He didn't start it with a preacher or a pastor. He started it with the union between a man and woman. And that union still to this very day is a, a real thermostat for the rest of society as a whole. And so it would behoove us as the children of God and as the church to put more emphasis on uh, ministering to the ends of creating strong marriages 
and in allowing people to be able to to enjoy the blessing that is upon marriage because it is indeed the glue. It's the glue that's holding us together. Absolutely. So one of the scriptures that we did not get a chance to cover um, on Sunday is is found in Ecclesiastes 4. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to read that. Um, and it says two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Mm. And so, you know, there's a, the scripture reinforces for us that God did not make us to dwell alone. And you and I had this conversation that I think so much of the mental health crises that we see comes out of and is born out of the um, inconsistencies and the unstructured families that people have had to grow up in and come up under that, you know, broken homes, divorces, people feel out of place. And then conversely, you have a culture that, that speaks of do you be you, everything's about you, right? Mm -hmm. So you mix that, you mix my brokenness with self-centeredness. And now my constitution is very fragile because I just don't know how to, I don't know how to engage in relationship. In fact, I run from it, even though it's exactly what I need. I seek out isolation. Mm -hmm. And in that isolation, I become that much more, you know, depressed, uh, repressed and and suppressed in what I can become as a human being because it almost, it, it, it limits my growth because I'm not open to having that other person as a mirror and as an as a balance yeah. to show me exactly where I'm off. Yeah, and 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 you said the one of the key words to me that comes out of that in Ecclesiastes is isolation. That how can one but how can one be warm alone? The scripture asks that question. How mm-hmm. can one be warm alone? And uh, and it talks about falling down if you're alone and, and woe be unto that person and if you are facing something and you can be prevailed against if you're by yourself but not with someone with you. And of course, when God is involved, a threefold cord, not easily broken. And so you see here that this isolation that is taken hold of us, because even in the, uh, even in our use of technology today, it's created a tremendous amount of individual isolation. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we talk about it all the time. Everybody talks about it. You know how you see people all the time who are always, always on our, some type of technological device in public, like when people are out together and, you know, you, people don't sit down and talk to one another. They're, they're sitting down at the dinner table in a restaurant and they're scrolling on their phones and they're, they're just, they're completely consumed with just themselves. Absolutely. And they're completely withdrawn from contact and connection with the other person. And here, the word of God not only tells us in Ecclesiastes, but it tells us in Genesis that we are built for relationship. We're created for relationship. We're created to to have to be vulnerable to know another person and to be known of someone else. Yes. And I, and like you said, and I, I do think I, I echo your, your sentiment that I do believe a lot of the issue of mental illness that we're facing today is directly related to this isolation and this individualism and this lack of contact and connection, mm-hmm. this lack of being able to be vulnerable with another person. Absolutely. Uh, and this is why all of the relationships, they seem to stay on this very, very shallow level. Like this is why you have the this this outgrowth of the last 10 years of something called a hookup culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you've got all of these people who are willing to just uh, 
they're going out physically getting involved with people, uh, getting sexually involved with people, but that's it. Mm-hmm. So everybody's walking around offering bodies, but no spirit or soul, right? right? And everybody's okay with that because they're so isolated. That's about all they can muster to give away. But they, not realizing that they are giving spirit oh, and no soul. Oh, no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. In the oh, process, no you're giving it, it away, yeah. even you though you're trying body. to. Yeah, absolutely. Oh Absolutely. yeah, you, you think it's just body. You're you're offering just body, but not when I say not spirit and soul in the way of really connecting with another person. But you are, like you said, you are still giving spirit and soul because you can't help it. You're a spiritual yeah, being. That's it. You know, so you can't just do anything body only. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's that's not how it works, yeah. right? You can't compartmentalize it and just turn turn it off. Yeah. Only one of three today. Only one of three. Yeah, like I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the off switch on <laughs> off on my spirit and soul and my just body's the, body. the only thing on. That's it. No, no, no. That's not how it works. You're you're a tripart being created spirit, soul, body. So what you do, you involve the spirit, it affects the soul and the body. But these are the things that we're we're seeing today, and it's it's so shallow, and everything's on such a shallow level because we we are isolated, we're individual, and we're not realizing the mandate in Scripture to be connected significantly to another, and the two shall become one. Right. That is God's design. That's Absolutely. what He wants. He wants Absolutely. you and someone else to come together, and you guys actually know one another, learn one another, grow from that union. In a way that you cannot on your own. Yes. You know, because I, I go back and I, and I read that verse of scripture and I see what the, the Bible says that after God creates Adam, he says it's not good for the man to be alone. Right. And that, that, that used to make me scratch my head because when I would read it, I would think, but now wait a minute, he's not alone, God. You're there with him. You know, you're, you're in the garden. <laughs> your presence is in the garden. You're, you're showing him how to name the animals and you all of these scriptures of him being this tender of the garden. This is the purpose you've created him for. But yet the creator says he's alone. And so I'm going to make for him a help meet. I'm going to make for him someone who is on his level. I'm going to make for him someone who is equal to him that he can connect with and the two of them will become one. And so he, we know the story. He takes the woman out of the man. But I, I just found that very significant that, that the Heavenly Father says he's alone, even though the Father's there with him. Mm-hmm. Because what he's looking at is the need for his created man to be able to connect on his level with somebody else. Or he'll never know what it's like to express the nature of God. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You, you'll, I'll never know what it's like to love, to forgive to to understand, to connect, to to sacrifice for. I won't I won't understand the love of God at all if I'm not giving an object for which to love. And so God says it's not good for him to be in that state where he's not having to give, love, and connect. Mm-hmm. And so he gives him something that is tailor-made for him in the form of a woman. Mm-hmm. And they too become one flesh. And so it it really cuts straight to the core. Right of what our culture is witnessing today, in in an opposite way, because we have polyamorous uh, relationship structures now, where people 
of multiple partners and all this kind of entanglements and yeah. it, and things such oh, as entanglements, so whatever, like, oh, wha- yeah. whatever they, whatever, whatever they clinical di- definition you've come up for that. That's <laughs> yeah, clinical. Yeah, exactly. And then you've got the this the explosion of same sex relationships and the the pull for same sex marriages that has transpired over oh, the last yeah. decade and all these things. But it's it's back to God's design that is in our best interest, and it's one of the things where the church has to stand its ground on. Because that is where we find God's design, God's purpose, God's plan for oneness. And it's also where, you know, why we see so much warfare, right? Why it's so hard for people to stay together is because the enemy understands what's at stake. He does. I mean, when you two come together and there is unity and there is a commitment under God to do it his way, all power is made available to you, right? I mean, when two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. He's in our midst. And so the enemy is aware of that. And so he fights to keep us in derision and frustrated. And you get on my nerves. I can't wait to be done with this whole thing, you know. And yeah. we, we invite all kinds of, of um, commentary from friends and family and the world to try to come in and define our relationships, how they should be, what they should look like. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the while, all we're doing is eroding our own ability really to stand. Because as these days wax worse and worse, the importance of the verses that you find in Ecclesiastes 4 are that much more poignant, right? Absolutely. That having someone to lay down with to keep you warm, mm. having someone there to help you when you fall. Yeah. I mean, these things are all the more precious when you when you talk about a society that's, that's leaning more and more to its own selfish inclinations. Yeah. Finding somebody who actually wants to care for you, yeah. who actually wants to be there for you, who actually likes you enough to... To sacrifice, like you yeah. said, and is not selfish, and Ab- self-centered, and absolutely. self-serving, and someone who who agrees with you. Yes, and when it comes to spiritual things, yes. someone who can who can walk in agreement with you concerning God's purpose, plan, and will for life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And and those things are becoming something that that becomes very hard for people to find. And and I and, I, and like I said, it, it's one of those things where. Sometimes when we talk about spiritual warfare, we talk about it from a very lofty perspective. Sometimes it gets away from the very foundation of what it's all about. And this is spiritual warfare. This is this is Satan's fight against the construct that God has created called marriage, the institution of marriage. And, you know, I, I look at it um, from a scriptural perspective and use a, just a natural analogy. The, the Bible says that when God created the man and the woman, he told them not only to multiply and replenish, but he told them to subdue. Have dominion. Right? Have dominion and subdue. Yeah. So to the man and the woman, there is a subduing element to the marriage union. And when Absolutely. I say subduing, it subdues civilization. It subdues a certain amount of criminality. It subdues a certain amount of, of barbarism. It subdues... Tyranny. Oh, yeah. It subdues... Uh, it, yes, it, it, it has a subduing power to it. And that's why when you look at at the world and you see these marriages and family breaking down, you see all of these other things escalating in their Absolutely. occurrence. And it's not just, it, it's not just, uh, you know, people, what's, what's the thing people say, well, correlation isn't causation. Well, in this particular case it is mm-hmm. because this is what God instituted to subdue, yes. <laughs> right? This is his subduing governmental yes. agent. This, this thing called man and woman, the formation of family, because children grow up in a strong home, they're less likely to go out and be criminals. Absolutely. They're less likely to go out and be financially irresponsible. They're less likely to, to not uh, be educated properly and, and go on to school and become productive human beings for themselves and for others. The, the marriage family is 
what I call the dam, right? It's the dam that keeps the evil back. Absolutely. It, 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 It subdues it. But when that dam is broken, you can't then try to make the water flow the way you want it to flow. And I feel like in society, our penal system, you know, criminal justice systems, our educational system, even the body politic, arts and entertainment, all of these systems are trying to they're trying to mold and tell the water where to go. Absolutely. Right. But it's but but they're strained and they can't do it. They can't do it at all because the subduing institution of marriage is what God created to subdue those things and to keep them down. There's going to be a devil loose in the world, okay? We, we know that evil's going to be in the world. But when marriages are strong, when family's strong, when husband and wife understand the importance of their agreement, their role together, it goes so far in subduing the outbreak of evil Absolutely. in this world. And then, too, when we, when we actually submit to God's way, in order to do that under the marriage construct, there can't be pride. That's the that's the amazing thing about it. That mm. God, you know, God has created this thing and pride just cannot dwell there and and that marriage be successful. Oh no. <laughs> it won't it won't be able to hibernate and and kind no. of just burrow in and make itself at home there if that marriage is successful. And so that's we we have to understand how that, you know, his want for us to get to a place where we can be naked and unashamed yeah. is also so that we can put off all of those things that would so easily beset us, right? Because marriage is that opportunity to, for iron to sharpen iron, yes. for us to examine what are some of the things that I believe that really are not true, that I never really knew were not true until I got into this thing called marriage <laughs> with you. And then it's like, well, maybe those things aren't true. But that's, that's the benefit of being able to learn my blind side in a safe place. Yeah. Right. With yeah. with my spouse who loves me, who wants the best no for doubt. me, is not trying to teach me a lesson. Is just simply saying, you can be better than that. Yeah. We can be better than that. No doubt about it. And you think about all the things that change about you when you get married. Yeah. Mar- it, it, marriage, the institution, has an influence upon your choices, your decision making, how you manage money, how you look at the future. It influences how you vote. Absolutely, it influences how you engage in the culture. It, and when, and especially when in that union you then have children, which is this massive motivator toward being Industry, uh, responsible, absolutely <laughs> working hard. Absolutely, you know, it changes your work ethic and everything. Why? Because that's why God instituted it. That's why He created it. It makes you grow up mm-hmm. and it makes you develop particular character traits that you would not otherwise and so when people get introduced to the marriage covenant and the marriage institution starts working on them <laughs> and starts peeling them like an onion people <laughs> people run from it ouch lord yeah exactly <laughs> but it's his institution and so anything god touches it creates holiness yes separation yes it glorifies him. It's you're go- on the threshing floor. Yes, you you're are. like, oh my lord! <laughs> it's it's going to bring you to a place of holiness. It's going to bring you to a place of glorifying him in your character, in your conduct, and who you are as a person. And that I'm telling you, beyond anything, that's what marriage does, and that's what it's for. And it's also for a holy seed to come from that union. Mm-hmm. 
It's also for your children to grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord in that union so that they grow up in their productive, successful, God-fearing people. Yeah. You know, and so God is, he, he knows what he's doing. And he and, teach, oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, he knows what he's doing. And Satan just works overtime to try to keep us blind to the benefits of what God has instituted. I was just going to say that he teaches us to garden, right? I mean, for yeah. those of us who don't have a green thumb, you get into marriage and he teaches you how to garden. You have to learn how to look for those weeds, how <laughs> to get them out of that out of that flower bed. You have yes, to you learn do. how to how to water things on a, on a regular basis. You have to learn how to feed those things. And you have to learn what is the best environment for these things to grow. No doubt. So he's teaching us all the while, you know what I mean, how, how to have a green thumb, just, like, just as he did. I mean, that's, that's the significance, I think, of him putting Adam in the garden. Mm. This, you know, this whole life. He does your, have your a whole thing life, about gardens, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, your whole life is a garden. And it's, it's really up to you the way you choose to tend it. And in a lot of cases, unfortunately, we have a lot of people that have go, you know, all scorched earth. It's like, oh, I just give up. I'm going to burn everything down and <laughs> yeah. start over. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, we, you know, we cut off, you know, the opportunity really to go through the process of earning the reward that is that is available to us simply by staying the course. Right. Because gardening is one of those things where you have to weather bad elements, mm. infestations, yeah. all kinds of things go on, but you have to stay the course you and do. you have to still manage all of those responsibilities and requirements to tend, to water, to love, to, you know, you have to do all of those things on a regular basis. And yeah. for, for a lot of us, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot, Lord, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of complaining and a lot of, a lot of hot days out in the field. Yeah. And yeah People you like, know. I want to get out the sun. I'm tired of this. <laughs> I'm tired of this. This ain't, this ain't what I signed <laughs> up for. You know, this woman you gave me, this man you gave me. Absolutely. But no, it's supposed to, it's supposed to make you holy. I, I often, uh, you know, we were in conversation and I said this to you. I said, for a lot of married couples, that they could really find a second wind in their marriage if they would just take a breath and realize, you know what, some of this is supposed to be this way. Yes. You know, instead of thinking, because sometimes people get discouraged because they don't know what's supposed to be and what isn't. Absolutely. Right? They start thinking any type of inconvenience in their marriage, any type of conflict or whatever, it, it, it means that, oh, my God, I, I, didn't, I didn't marry the right person. I don't have the right whatever, and we need to, maybe we need to drop this and start all over. But no. There's a certain amount of conflict that's supposed to be there. It's supposed yeah, to be Yeah, it's there. supposed to feel like this. Yes. It, there's supposed to be little discussions about stuff you guys are doing around the house that one person doesn't like and the other one, you know, sees it a different way. It's supposed to be because it's supposed to iron, sharpen iron, and it's, it, it's moving you toward holiness. Mm -hmm. The scripture says, as you brought up, and the two of them were naked in Genesis chapter 2 and unashamed. And that's where... Marriage is always headed in God's kingdom and in God's way, right? Yeah. It's always headed to peeling you, undressing you. And, you know, when, you know, when the first layer of, of uh, covering and that first fig leaf comes off, you know, people don't like that. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, man. They don't like that at all. But what God is trying to do is get you to, to achieve pure intimacy with one other person. Because without that, how do you know what it's like to be like God? How do you know what it's like to be like your heavenly father, to actually know his nature? Absolutely. His love for us that is that is overwhelming, that is beyond even the carnal mind's ability to comprehend, that he's given himself away to his creation, mm -hmm. right? And so for us to know his heart, to know his character, he institutes marriage, and he gives us this opportunity 
to now know how it is to be like your heavenly father. Amen. Right. We get to be the balance of him, right? Yes. The feminine and the masculine. Absolutely. We get to show the full spectrum of him. The and that's why, that's why it's important for us to be in the word of God, living the way he wants to, especially in, before our children, because we get, we're the first God they see. Mm. We're the first piece of God no that's modeled for them. Right. They get to see man and woman. They get a, they get a glimpse of who their heavenly father is. Man, and that's so true. Train them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Yes. And that's not just preaching, teaching Bible scriptures. That's letting them see the union between you and your spouse, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. As modeled. Because when the Bible says male and female created he, he them, we, we then see that the image of God must consist of these two models, yes. right? That he is grace and truth. Right. He's lion and lamb. Absolutely. Then he creates male and female and he brings them together and say the two of you are going to be one flesh. But there are aspects of his character and his nature that are shown in both of us. Mm-hmm. And when we come together, we complete the uh, Imago Dei, the image of God. Absolutely. Right. And so when we raise our children in that, the, those asymmetries between man and woman and we're loving each other, forgiving, understanding, correcting, changing you know, going through all the things that we're going to go through that's supposed to be there. Supposed right? to be it's there. supposed to be there, right? <laughs> then we're raising our children in the nurturing, the admonition of the Lord. They're seeing the image of God. Yes. That's why when children come in and you got maybe the discipline of the father and you got the nurturing of the mother and you maybe you have the teaching of the father and you've got the, the, the mercy and grace of the mother and it's, it's all just a, a beautiful uh, display of the image of God to those children. Mm-hmm. And so Satan works hard. He really tries to break that up so that we don't show that to our kids, so that they, they come away with an impression about God that is positive and that is in his image and likeness and that's right. right. So when they grow up and they develop their own relationship with God, they're not riddled with all of this bad stuff, these yeah. bad ideas. You know, they can approach God from a great platform and a great foundation instead of depending on maybe religious ideas that weren't true or things that were, you know, a little false and off. And so it begins in the home. It begins right there between man and woman. And so we're going to be talking about these things for uh, probably, I know another week at least, because these, these are things are vitally important, especially given our times. Uh, I know we've been talking about the spirit of the age, but in keeping with talking about the spirit of the age, it is important that we continue to talk about strengthening marriages in our times mm-hmm. because it is the institution that God has created to subdue and to have dominion and to multiply and replenish. And if we want to see this thing turned around in the culture, we're going to have to turn it around in our homes. And I believe that with all of my heart. So we want to thank you guys again for listening to the One Word Podcast here. we'll Once again, we'll be with you Uh, Next week, at the same time, I want you to share this podcast with someone you know could stand to benefit from hearing the Word of God and hear the subject matter that we're talking about. I ask that you pay close attention to the rollout at the end of this so that you can see how you can connect with us on all of our social media platforms. We would love to hear from you. And until next time, God bless. Thank you for joining the podcast. If you were blessed and encouraged by what you heard, we invite you to share this message and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Be sure to visit ChristNations.com for all the latest messages and happenings with our ministry. And engage with us on all our social media platforms, on Facebook at CNCTXK and on YouTube at Christ Nations Church. We look forward to connecting with you. And remember, one word from God can change your life forever.